house prices rise, but get ready for interest rates to bite. BHP spends another $7.5 billion on potash, and carmaker Toyota is back with record sales and not many electric vehicles in sight. Welcome to Fear and Greed Business News, Australia's best business podcast. It's Thursday, the 2nd of November, 2023. I'm Adam Lang, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Adam. Sean, immediately after the show, I think everyone should stay listening for your chat with Damien Greathead from Intuit QuickBooks. Yes, so Intuit QuickBooks has plenty of information on what small businesses are up to. Obviously, they service that sector, and it's all about how invoices aren't being paid. And so in the run-up to Christmas, small businesses just aren't going to get the income that they'd hoped. Now, a lot of that is about the cost of living crisis. So we talk to Damien about how big a problem it is and what they should be doing about it. So it's really, it's a great chat for small businesses. And Intuit QuickBooks have access to so much data. There's a lot that's fueling into that interview. I'll certainly be listening. Sean, the main story this morning, home prices rose again last month, putting them on track to be up close to 10% this year with immigration pushing up demand. That is incredible. Mm, The raw numbers certainly are impressive. Overall, the national average was up 0.9% in October, led by Perth, Brisbane and Adelaide, while the annual change is 5.6%. That figure, the 5.6%, is led by Sydney. If you look at how much house prices have risen since their most recent lows, that's where this incredible rise really comes to the fore. Sydney's up 11.6%, Perth 11%, Brisbane 10.5%, Adelaide comes in at 7.7%, then we've got Melbourne at 4.5% and Canberra at 1.3%. After October, Hobart is now on the positive side of the ledger. Finally, it's up 0.8% from its recent low. The shortfall in supply is still dominating the market in large part due to the surge of immigration. Net Immigration last financial year was around half a million, more than double forecasts. Also, the construction market has slowed and sky-high rents have pushed some people into buying homes. AMP's Shane Oliver estimates there'll be an undersupply of about 190,000 homes by the middle of next year, which will keep pressure on prices. Sean, whether you rent or own, these are big numbers and they must affect everybody. Are price rises expected to continue? Well, few economists reckon prices will keep at the current 10% pace. AMP's Oliver reckons that eventually interest rates will get the upper hand and he's forecasting a 5% increase next year. Remember, we've had the fastest rise in interest rates ever and there could be another one next week. Oliver also points out that Australian housing remains expensive on all metrics. Home price to income ratios are just below record highs and much higher than most other countries. The time taken to save for a 20% deposit has more than doubled over the past four decades to about 10 years. Now, more stock will eventually come online. That will also put downward pressure on it. The bottom line to all this, the pace of house price growth is likely to slow And there's a possibility, which is more than slight, that rates could really hit the market hard. And so we could actually end up doing not so well over the next 12 months. Still, we wait and see. Sean, outside these huge changes in property, how did local markets perform yesterday? 
The S&P ASX 200 rose nearly 1%. That was the best one-day trade in about three weeks. It finished at 6,838 points after a technical correction in the market on Monday. The ASX bounced. The real estate investment trusts were among the best performers, led by Goodman Group, which jumped 3.5%. Healthcare, energy, materials, industrials and consumer discretionary stocks also outperformed. In terms of individual companies, the big miners did well. The banks were underperformers, though they ended up on the day while the retailers were mixed. Some of the tech stocks also ended lower. In bond markets, traders have now priced in a 67% chance of a rate increase next week. And surveys of economists show that overwhelmingly members of the dismal science expect a hike next week, Adam. Now, Adam, can I just say you are a member of the dismal science. (laughs) I believe you are an economist by training. I am, and uh, Mm. still recovering, I think. Yeah, still dismal. So, Sean, what's happening in international markets? I mentioned the shares in the big miners rallying. That's because iron ore prices are higher on positive sentiment about China. That's after Beijing said it would boost efforts to reduce local debt risks, plenty of those, particularly in the property market. In New Zealand, the unemployment rate rose to 3.9% from 3.6%. That's its highest level in more than two years. That suggests that the high interest rates in New Zealand, which are about you know 1.4 percentage points higher than here, are actually biting. It also probably means that New Zealand interest rates won't rise again. Oil prices are up again, having fallen earlier in the week. And Adam, to finish the international markets off, the Aussie dollar is buying about 63.3 US cents. Thank you, Sean. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. When it comes to big money, it's handy to be the big Australian. BHP will spend about $7.5 billion to build stage two of its Janssen Potash project in Canada. Yes, I love this story. It's about $24 billion the company has now spent on the project, and the investment will create one of the world's largest potash mines. Now, potash is one of BHP's long-term pillars, and its primary use is as a fertiliser in agriculture particularly sort of corn, soy, rice, wheat, those sorts of things. It's also got uses in everything from industrial chemicals to food production and de-icing. Potash doesn't really move in sync with other BHP products like iron ore, copper, nickel, those sorts of things. Chief Executive Mike Henry hopes it will allow BHP to take advantage of global megatrends of population growth, urbanisation, rising living standards and decarbonisation and also be doing well perhaps when other commodity prices aren't doing so well. The war in Ukraine has really disrupted the global fertiliser supplies. About 40% of potash comes from Russia and Belarus. That's something that BHP wants to take advantage of. Its first output from Janssen Stage 1 is expected in late 2026. Sean, the International Monetary Fund has called on the Reserve Bank to lift interest rates in an effort to reduce inflation faster. They're a bunch of dismal scientists too, aren't they, really? (laughs) Yes, they're everywhere. The IMF also said governments should slow down their booming infrastructure spend so home borrowers won't have to contend with even higher interest rates. The fund forecasts a delay in local inflation returning to the 2 to 3% target rate until early 2026. The Reserve Bank's forecast is later in 2025, so they're, they're a little bit more dismal than the dismal scientists at the Reserve Bank. The IMF welcomed the Albanese government banking most of its revenue windfalls from higher commodity prices recently, but said federal and state governments should ease back on their infrastructure rollout 
to better share the inflation-fighting burden. Deferring some projects could help contain cost pressures and help governments achieve better value for money, the IMF said. What that means, what it's also saying, is that fiscal policy should be used to fight inflation, not just monetary policy. Sean, how often do you hear the IMF say, hang on, put on the brakes, just slow down the infrastructure? Yeah, definitely it was more outspoken than normal. They spent a couple of weeks out here. They spoke to the Reserve Bank, the Treasury and other market participants. They've come back with this report and it is fairly straight speaking, shall we say, from the IMF. So it's a fair question you ask because it's not normal for this to be so outspoken. Notable even. Hmm. Notable. I think so. Sean, joyfully, staying in the world of economics, building approvals fell by nearly 5% in September, well below forecasts, demonstrating just how weak the construction sector is. Mind you, Adam, still hard to find a tradie. Mm. Would you agree? I Mm. do. Personal experience and professional, actually. Yeah. Approvals were down 4.6%. Sorry, professional? Are you a tradie? Sorry. I mean, no, I'm looking to hire people who actually know what they're doing, but in a professional Ah, environment, not just a personal one. Uh, Mm. Fair enough. No, I'm not a professional tradie. Long way from it. <laughs> that was something I didn't know about you. You're, you've been a music promoter and manager. You run radio stations, obviously a fear and greed man, and a tradie. Mm. There you go. Uh, building approvals were down 4.6% after a big jump in August. They're up about 8% in that month. Now, these numbers tend to be volatile. So if you take the three-month average, you're probably getting a better view Approvals are up marginally on earlier in the year. However, they're well below their peaks of a couple of years ago and still below long-run averages. Building approvals are running at about 167,000 a year, which is well below population growth. Isn't all bad news for the sector, given the COVID-induced delays? There's still a pipeline of construction to begin, so that is good for the tradies, and some materials prices have also come down. Sean, this company is always interesting, and it also involves lots of different outlets selling to lots of different people. Domino's Pizza, the nation's largest pizza maker with branches in Australia, Asia and Europe, says sales have rebounded nearly 13% for the first weeks of fiscal 2024. Yeah, it's a good rebound. Obviously, there are more stores there. If you look at the same store sales growth, it's up about 3%. That's what the company said at the annual general meeting yesterday. Domino's now has stores in Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Taiwan, France, Uh, Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg and Germany. It said same store sales were positive in all markets apart from Taiwan and Japan. Now, interestingly, Japan's a really big market for Domino's. They're putting volume building strategies in place and they're hoping to get better returns on that one. The Christmas trading period will be very important for them. Chief Executive Don May said commodity pricing continues to be a challenge. So dairy products, for example, cheese, that's really weighed on Domino's recently. But he said long-term partnerships would ensure cost increases in the second half were slight. Sean, a big retailer, Cotton On, plans to push further into overseas markets, even though the group with 1,500 stores made just $6 million last financial year. Do you reckon Cotton On's one of those stores that sort of came from nowhere? Well, it does feel that way to me. Yeah, I mean, it's been around for 30 years, so it didn't really start it in Melbourne. Yeah. And uh, it was a woman called Tanya Austin and her former husband, Nigel Austin, started it. Nigel's still involved in the business. Tanya isn't. It's now got eight brands across 22 countries, so Factory, Typo, Supre, of course, Cotton On, the eponymous brand itself. The Australian market still makes up over half of the group sales, which reached a record $2.2 billion 
dollars last financial year, according to accounts lodged with ASIC. The bottom line, though, was hurt by rent and finance expenses, as well as jump in material costs and wages, hence a relatively small profit of just $6 million compared to about $110 million the previous year. That's according to a report in the Financial Review. Sean, 30 years in the making, 1,500 stores and $2.2 billion in turnover. That's a big story. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, it's a big company, that one. Sean, Aussie Broadband will grab a bigger share of the voice communications market after local software group Symbio agreed to a $262 million takeover. Aussie Broadband's bid trumped previous offers from rival telco group Superloop. Aussie Broadband Managing Director and co-founder Philip Britt said Symbio would help expand the telco group's businesses and diversify its operations. Now, I don't know whether you knew this, Adam, but Symbio is kind of a cool company. It provides technology that enables people to make voice calls over the internet and phone numbers that can be used like when you're doing a Zoom meeting or a team, Microsoft Teams meeting and you ring into it. That's basically what Symbio does. Sean, I've rarely been accused of being cool, but I do know that company name. Very cool. There you go. So, and Sean, the $262 million takeover, 262, it just reminds me of Richie Benno. 260, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Ah, the great man. Very appropriate given we're in the middle of the Cricket World Cup. Oh, so true. Well done. In international news, the Israeli military said yesterday that nine soldiers had died in Gaza fighting, while at least 50 Palestinians and a Hamas commander were killed overnight after Israeli airstrikes hit a densely populated refugee camp. Medics struggled to treat the casualties in the enclave where food, fuel and basic supplies are running scarce. An Israel Defence Force statement said the Hamas commander killed was pivotal in the planning and execution of the October 7 attacks, according to Reuters. Meanwhile, back home, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese spoke to Israel's leader Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday morning. Netanyahu thanked Albanese for Australia's long-standing support of Israel. Albanese has backed Israel's right to defend itself. However, he has also cautioned the Netanyahu government on the need to avoid civilian casualties amid growing strains within Labor's ranks over the impact of retaliatory attacks that have left thousands of Gazans dead. Sean, carmaker Toyota has reported record quarterly earnings thanks to a weaker yen, a jump in global demand and improving supply chains. Yeah, so the Toyota Group sold 5.6 million vehicles between April and September. That's putting it on track for its 11.4 million unit goal for the fiscal year. It was a record period for Toyota. We don't talk much about it, but it is still the world's number one car maker. Now, demand for its hybrid and internal combustion vehicles persist. Notwithstanding, you've got all those players out there like BYD and Tesla taking the lead in the shift to electric vehicles. Toyota is still in the game, though. The company has stepped up its efforts on EVs, saying it's investing another $8 billion in a plant in North Carolina that will make batteries for fully electric and plug-in hybrid models. Still, Toyota is in the game. And Sean, finally, this one is probably one of the most remarkable stories in the last decade for me. WeWork is set to file for bankruptcy as early as next week, according to a report in the Wall Street Journal. Ah, the future of work is no longer, Adam. I think we'll find that. The company has, as you say, one of the most dramatic trajectories of the last startup boom. It reached a valuation of about $47 billion US dollars. And then it tried an IPO, an initial public offering. That was a disaster. 
Uh, of course, the pandemic came along and certainly provided challenges to its co-working model. In a filing, the company said it had been holding discussions with creditors about improving its balance sheet hmm, and taking steps to rationalise its real estate footprint. Earlier this week, the company entered into a forbearance agreement with its creditors. That'll end in about seven days' time. Whether or not it can avoid bankruptcy looks like that's unlikely. Sean, up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview with Damien Greathead from Intuit QuickBooks. Yeah, all about the run into Christmas and how small businesses are looking. Very well worth a listen. I certainly will be. That's up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your favourite podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Adam. It's Thursday, the 2nd of November, 2023. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Instagram, X and Facebook. We hope you have a great day.